it's critical to realize that triggers are opportunities. If I had not been triggered and I had just decided to stay where I was at, I would not be having the ministry that I have. I wouldn't have the growth that I have. I wouldn't have the relationship that I have with my kids now that is so beautiful. And I would not be growing. So if we can flip the switch and start thinking about triggers as opportunities and as signals that something's not right and that there needs to be more growth in this area for my kids or for me or for my marriage or for my eating habits, then we are on our way to becoming more like Christ, which is the goal of our life. Hi, everyone. I'm Annika, and this is the Tried and Truth Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Tried and Truth Podcast. If you have ever struggled in your marriage, in your health journey, or maybe even in your parenting journey, you are not alone. And today's guest is going to reassure you and reaffirm you that you're not alone in any of those places. We are destigmatizing the idea of struggle or triggers in things like our marriage. And specifically, today's guest, Amber Leah, is unpacking the two most common marriage triggers that she has seen in the thousands of people that she has worked with around this topic. She writes about triggers and so much of her own journey, overcoming these and helping others just really see these places as true opportunities rather than obstacles. I was incredibly surprised by one of these that she shared. Um, I will give you a hint and let you know that it has to do with the expectations that we have of our spouse. So you'll definitely want to tune in for that one because it totally took me by surprise and has just sparked a lot of thought in my own mind. Cannot wait for you to hear more of what Amber has to share about her journey, her story, and the work that she's done around this. I hope you'll be inspired and encouraged and hopefully it'll spark a little more richness in the marriage that you have today. Amber, thanks for being here. Thanks for joining us on the podcast this week. So thrilled to have you. Well, I've been looking forward to this. So thank you for inviting me. I'm like, I'm just like, I, you know, I've been listening and and watching everything you do on social media. And I think our hearts are very uh, similar and just what you're doing and trying to help listeners and focusing on the truth and giving practical um, pieces that are just really going to allow people's lives to blossom. This is all about what I love to talk about and do. So I've been looking forward to it. Oh, I'm so happy. It's so great to find people that are in sync with your desires and your thoughts and just your hopes, which is so much of the work that you have done, which is kind of how I learned all about you. And so I would love for you just to share a little bit about your heart and your story and your work. Okay. Well, you know, I think it's, I should know better by now than to think that God's going to allow me to navigate all of my ups and downs in my growth, spiritually, emotionally, physically, and private. He never says, Hey, you just get to navigate this privately just between you and me. He always prompts me to have this urge to want to share all my things uh, with others in the hopes that it will help them. And it is vulnerable. It's not easy for me to put it out there that I'm a recovering angry mom, that I had trouble in my marriage. I wasn't just an angry mom. I was also a frustrated wife. And then, you know, having incredible weight gain as a result of emotional mismanagement and then God taking me on a health journey and overcoming that and just all these different things that, I feel like a lot of us relate to, but we don't necessarily want to air that dirty laundry. But I have found that there's a lot of healing for me personally. It's very cathartic to write about these things. 
And it also furthers my own healing and progress when I connect with others and say, okay, I'm not alone. There are others in these same spaces that are struggling. And if we can link arms a little bit and encourage each other, it's so much better to navigate these ups and downs in our spiritual growth when we are in community. I think God designed us that way. And so I've just, I had to decide, okay, Lord, I'll just put it all out there. So really everything I do and talk about and write about stems from my own stuff that has not been ideal and even downright sinful at times. And then allowing God to really work and refine me and then hoping that someone else can benefit from some of these things I've gone through myself. So that's really the root of it all. Oh, I just love like the courage in your story to invite people in and come alongside of them on their own journey. Because I think at some point, right, everybody goes through one of those various elements and to just say, okay, I'm in the next part of my story. Come along with me is so courageous and yet just so inspiring. So I love that you have done that and opened up your journey to invite others in and, and come alongside it with you. Because I think you mentioned the community piece. And I feel like, especially for a lot of women, which is the majority of listeners, not all the listeners um, of this podcast, but a lot of them are just very, I can figure this out myself kind of people. I'm yeah. going to do this on my own. And I'm not going to share what I'm struggling with because I don't want other people to think something or I don't want to feel shame or judgment or embarrassment or guilt or comparison right. or their struggle is so much greater. So I'm not going to share mine. And so mm -hmm. we try to do it alone. We bottle it all up inside. And so just this idea of you don't have to do these things mm -hmm. alone and you can let go of that pride and that ego and just, it's okay to not be okay yeah. sometimes. Yeah. And you know, also one of my heartbeats has become let's destigmify some of these issues, right? Like when I was a struggling mom, I thought I was really the only one who had this level of frustration. Like, why am I not loving all of these, you know, circumstances that I'm in and all these triggers that I'm experiencing now, which I didn't think I would. And why am I reacting in these ways that I swore I'd never react? And then, you know, wanting to sort of protect my, my reputation, from any kind of judgment of others. And when we do that, it's very difficult for us to move forward and to change because we, first of all, you know, God tells us, look, confess, you need to, you need to confess your sins yeah. and talk to each other about these things and move forward. And so I hope that as I share things with others, that it will give them the courage to realize they're going to be okay. Um, being exposed is not you know, going to be the end of you, it actually will be the beginning of maybe what you need to do to move forward. And so, and just to know also, Hey, you're not alone. I have been there. Um, and you're not the only one. And that I think is very comforting to realize that we're not the only one because Satan tries to isolate us. He tries to whisper to us that we're the only one that has this struggle. He wants to defeat and discourage us. But when we know that there are others in the same boat, it gives us more courage to face our battles and to have victory. So good. And one of the things you just said is that idea that it's not the ending, it's the beginning. And I I love that visual of just this is this is the beginning of a of a new transformation yes. <laughs> of something, a piece of work that um he wants to continue to do. And I think that's such a beautiful thing. Um, so a lot of the work that you've done has been around this idea of triggers in those various areas. So I think that's just such a powerful word that I think so many of us can relate to. Like we know those triggers, that saying or that phrase or that 
button that our kids have mastered. And so tell us a little bit about just the the beginning of triggers and how that has kind of evolved into various categories and how we can kind of invite that into our lives too. Sure. So for a long time, I thought that triggers are just those things that set us off. They make us angry. They upset us. They bump us off course of what we want. They're interruptions. And that the only way to handle a trigger is to react. And that we don't necessarily even have control over those reactions. And none of that is really true. We can actually flip the switch in our mind that triggers are opportunities. And triggers are also signals. And that triggers are opportunities for our growth and for the growth of others. So when I was a young mom, (laughs) I had waited a long time to have kids, longer than I thought I was going to have to wait. And when I, I had been a teacher for 10 years, I was a really good teacher. I was totally in control. I never had to raise my voice with my students. I prided myself on running a tight ship that was really joyful and a lot of fun at the same time. And so I knew that when I was going to be a parent, I was going to be an amazing one because obviously being a good teacher means you're going to be a good good parent. And I had been a nanny in college. You know, I'd worked with kids. I loved kids. So then fast forward to when my first son, Oliver, is born almost 16 years ago now. I have four sons from kindergarten through high school. And Oliver was a beautiful boy. I loved him with all my heart, but he had colic and he um, had reflux and he never slept and he threw up all the time. And I was just thrown for a loop. I was like, whoa, this is hard. And I never, I was so sleep deprived that obviously I was easily frustrated. And then his brother was born not long after him. And then his next brother was born not long after him. And we moved to a small town and I didn't have any family. And I was just like, oh, this is hard. This is not life to the full. And I don't like who I'm becoming because I love my kids, but I just felt like life had a chokehold on me instead of me having a grip on my life. And so fast forward to me just saying to the Lord, God, I need you to transform me. I need to understand what anger is righteously and unrighteously. I need to know what level of frustration and anger is actually okay and what is not. And so I just decided to sit down when my boys were napping, um, which was rare. Uh, You know, at that point, it was like it was like 20 minutes in the morning. Like, that's all I get. And they go down for a nap and I would get in the Bible and I would just start reading. Like, what does the Bible tell me about anger? And what does it tell me about how God parents me? And God began to transform me. And that's a longer story. You know, we write about that in our books. My co-author, Wendy Speak, and I. but. God did an amazing work in me. And he began to teach me that he wasn't going to change or fix my circumstances so that life could be easier for me. He was actually uh, wanting those circumstances to transform me so that I would be more like himself. And initially with triggers, that meant I had to apply that to my parenting. And so step by step, the Lord began to work in my heart. And I took all those Bible verses that were really easy for me to apply to everybody else and to to actually, you know, administer to others like, okay, love is not rude. All right. Well, so I'm not rude in the line. I'll even let someone with fewer items go ahead of me at the grocery store. But I could be really rude to my kid just because I'm the mom. And I began to realize that that is not okay. that I am to live those verses out, even with my children at all times. And so what I began to do was just write about my experience as God began to transform me. And I started a blog and that led to starting a support group for moms who struggle with anger and yelling. 
after about two years and thousands and thousands and thousands of people joining it, it got to be too big for me. I met my dear friend, Wendy Speak, and she joined me in co-laboring in that group. And we just put it, um, God put it on my heart one day to do a series on triggers and all the things that really affect us as parents. And so Wendy and I started in this series and about two weeks in, um, I just said, Wendy, this has to be a book. Like, I really believe that, that God is putting this on our hearts and we need to do it right away. And she said, I'm going to pray about it. And I was like, that's great. But like, we start on Monday. So get ready. <laughs> <laughs> and she graciously jumped in and it has been an anointed thing far beyond what we ever could have imagined. But what that did was it allowed me to realize that, first of all, again, not alone, thousands and thousands, 17,000 people, you know, in this Facebook group, obviously struggling. Let's destigmatize. By this whole thing. And then we just started writing books on parenting and more gentle biblical practices. And then that led to people asking us, saying to me, Hey, this is helping me in my parenting, but in other areas of my life too, in particular in my marriage, but I'd love something that relates specifically to marriage. And could you write that? And I did not want to do it because the spiritual warfare that in, is engaged in when you're writing these books is, is horrific at times. And I didn't want that coming for my marriage because I had also navigated that journey, but the Lord put it on our heart. And so my husband Guy and I ended up writing marriage triggers and then so on and so forth. So all of these things, like I said in the beginning, really are a result of my own journey, but it's, it's critical to realize that triggers are opportunities. If I had not been triggered and I had just decided to stay where I was at, I would not be having the ministry that I have. I wouldn't have the growth that I have. I wouldn't have the relationship that I have with my kids now that is so beautiful. And I would not be growing. So if we can flip the switch and start thinking about triggers as opportunities and as signals that something's not right and that there needs to be more growth in this area for my kids or for me or for my marriage or for my eating habits, then we are on our way to becoming more like Christ which is the goal of our life. We're not here so to be true. comfortable. We're here to live and to become more like Christ, to love him and to love others. And he uses our triggers to do that. I love how you talk about that idea of just really flipping the switch on that and shifting that paradigm of trigger equals opportunity. It doesn't mean blow up. <laughs> it means this is a gift. This is an opportunity for growth. And just to be able to kind of view it that way, Talk to us a little bit about just your experience writing triggers with, with your husband and kind of going through the impact that that has had. Um, tell us a little bit about that journey, because I think that's a, that's really a unique angle. Yes. Yeah, so marriage triggers, you know, it's really about exchanging angry reactions and replacing them with more gentle biblical responses. Any trigger in our life, we can either have a right response or a wrong reaction, and when we're not intentional, that's when just the flesh takes over, right? It'll just take over. We have to be very intentional to allow the spirit to lead us when we're triggered. And, you know, in a marriage, it's challenging because you're bringing two very different people from different backgrounds, different childhoods, different personalities, and that uniqueness can either work against us or for us. So, you know, you have a unique personality, your spouse has their unique personality, and so your marriage is going to have its own unique personality, and you want to bring out the best in that, in both of you. The problem is, we start driving down the road, and someone's a backseat driver, and now we're all irritated and frustrated before we even get somewhere, or, you know, somebody has a, a different um, 
um, habit, you know, that they love to keep things really neat and clean in the house. And the other person isn't, doesn't care so much about that. And then now the messy house is a trigger. And so all these little things begin to crop up. And so, you know, there are marriages that are in deep crisis that need counseling. There's, you know, we're not talking here about abusive situations or, um, marriages that need, a, a some other level of uh, addressing, but there's a lot of marriages in the middle there where we're maybe we're doing okay, but it's, it's not as good as it could be. And there's all these triggers that are getting in the way of us really living out our faith and really operating in a marriage in the way that God designed it to be, to really thrive. And so Guy and I, um, Guy writes one third of the book with me, and we go through a lot of these common triggers that stemmed from years and years of conversations with couples and people in our own experiences, again, sharing a lot of our own story through that process, but really looking to how can these triggers in your marriage actually bring you together and allow you to be refined into the best person that you can possibly be more like Christ so that you can have a better marriage. I'd love for you just to share maybe one or two of those triggers as we're helping listeners and all of us to hear like you're not alone in these things. What are maybe one of the one or two of the most common ones and and what y'all write about in that? Sure. So I think one of the ones that is really challenging is just being busy. When you're really busy, um, that can be a trigger because it, it causes you to disconnect, right? And connection is so important. And so in this day and age, we become so busy that even trying to set aside time to spend together feels like a bother. It's like a chore, right? And so we have to be intentional to slow down a little bit and to reorganize the calendar and to say, look, let's just have coffee together, you know, Saturday morning while the kids are still sleeping and look at our calendar and just make space and make room for us to have time to just connect and to communicate. And, you know, not everybody is, some people are listening, they're going, well, my spouse, you know, that's just not even how they operate. So take that time, be intentional to just say, look, these are some needs that I have. And hopefully, you know, our spouses are in a place where they want to meet our needs. They want to be open. If they're not, then we want to be praying for that openness and to not underestimate the power of prayer to work on the heart of our spouse. But having that time set aside to slow down and to really communicate and talk and just say, okay, maybe going out on a date every other week isn't feasible in this season of life, but we could have coffee for 20 minutes together where we just connect and are intentional and talk through what are some of our heart's desires. And it doesn't even have to be formal. The other spouse doesn't even necessarily have to know that that's what you're doing, <laughs> right? You could, you could just be like, hey, let me just share with you a little bit about what's going on in my head and in my heart and just seeking ways to slow down and connect instead of just every conversation being about, okay, are you taking um, Oliver to baseball or am I? And when is Quinn's soccer practice? And oh yeah, by the way, dinner on Sunday night is going to be at your parents' house, right? Like we got to move away from being so busy and so structured that we're not having time to just be with each other and connect. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other one I think that's really key is also making an idol of our expectations. Um, when you are have an expectation of your spouse that you have these ideas of what you think their walk with the Lord should look like, what their involvement with your kids should look like, their um, provision for you and your family should look like, 
and that becomes a point of contention repeatedly, then that it becomes an idol. You want that thing from your spouse more than you want peace or an opportunity to grow together. It doesn't mean that we overlook those things, but it's how we enter into those conversations that makes the difference. And so being careful that our joy is not robbed or stolen because our expectations are not being met, that we idolize that so much that we don't trust God that he knows what he's doing, that we don't trust God to work in our spouse anymore, that we don't trust God to help us have better communication. Instead, we allow it to fester and to be angry and to be bitter. And so we don't protect our hearts because we've got this idol of this expectation. And instead of working through it in an effective biblical manner, um, we just argue or we fight or we become resentful or we nag or we nitpick or we dismiss. And that is a real problem, I think, in a lot of marriages today. I've never heard of anyone explain this idea of idolizing expectations. I think we all have them interwoven and they're, you know, the unspoken expectations or these ideas or ideals, but this idea of idolizing those expectations that really creates walls and not bridges between us and our spouses. So I love that you elaborated on that and just kind of shared that because I don't think, I think when people think triggers, you think that one question they ask you about, maybe it's whatever, one of your parents or the kids or whatever, but the idea of of busyness being a trigger, the idea of idolizing expectations as a trigger. And I think calling those things out and really unpacking them a little bit more is is just a conviction and an eye opener a little bit. <laughs> yes. And for me too, still, even now. <laughs> Did you have like any, as y'all wrote this together, I'm sure there was some aha moments or lessons learned that you all either learned about each other or just learned in general that you said, gosh, I wish you would have learned this sooner as you're writing a book on marriage. Yeah, well, definitely. I mean, I think it was, it was neat for us to both see um, one another grow, I think in humility as we are writing these things out, because it it's really a love letter to our own marriage, you know, in yes. many ways, it's like, these are the things that we've gone through that we've said that we're going to commit to, and that we're going to work through together and that we've already navigated. And so just the, it's, it's like this legacy, you know, that we're leaving for our kids and for one another. And it is very convicting. It just takes, it take it took all of those trigger lessons to a next <laughs> level for us because we so want it to be authentic and genuine. And, you know, Guy and I are very different people. So our styles of writing, our, our style of approaching deadlines and all of those kinds of things is very different. And, you know, I tend to be, I tend to be a lot more structured than my husband. And so we had to navigate some of those things, even in just writing it, like writing a marriage triggers book can be a trigger. Okay. Like, I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, it is. But, but we believed in what we were doing. You know, we believed in that God was calling us to do it and the outcome of it. And so we were, we were committed to, to working through those things. And it just forces us to really live it out and to be like, look, is this what we, we really believe? And again, taking the time to do that. I mean, writing isn't my full-time job. We, we run a production company together. Um, I homeschooled our four boys for four years. Bless you. In the, process <laughs> right? in the process of writing, like, you know, I'm a health coach. That's what I do mostly is that ministry now. So in the midst of all of the things of taking the time to work through these marriage triggers, 
that was just us working on our own marriage, you know? So that was, that was healing for us. That was very helpful for us. Probably like a gift. You don't even realize as you're trying to create a gift, you're actually gifting yourself that gift. Mm -hmm. You used a phrase that I just, I want to talk a little bit more about. So you use this phrase of, of a legacy, but also a love letter to your marriage if someone was saying, as I'm thinking about just our own, my own marriage, and for anyone who's listening, who who's married and thinking about that idea of what could I do to write a love letter to my marriage? Or what is something I could do like super practical? One thing I can do is we think about the legacy of our marriage, because I don't think we realize the impact that our marriage has, not only like on our kids, but on so many other people. I mean, I know for me personally, like growing up, there were a lot of friends who I watched their their parents teach me about marriage. And so I just, you know, I think that we forget the impact that our marriage has and can have. And so I think just recommitting to that idea. And so any practical tips on a love letter or wanting to create this legacy for our yeah. marriage? You know, that love letter to your own marriage will be crafted in the most everyday of moments. It's going to be lived out. It's way better to live it out than to put it down on paper. I'll tell you what, because the paper is not, you know, going to necessarily affect the people in your everyday life as much as you just living it out, you know, face to face. So I think it's critically important to have integrity and to really get to a place where part of the way that you write a love letter to your spouse is by applying the letters of the Bible in your life and in your words and in your actions toward them. Like take those letters and actually live them out. You know, offer the fact that, you know, the Bible tells us First Corinthians, you know, love is kind it, and it keeps no record of wrongs. Like what can you do today? Some of the lines, the sentences of your own love letter are the things that you don't say in the heat of the moment. They're the things that you do to demonstrate kindness. They're the things that demonstrate your willingness to overlook an offense. It it comes in the form, not of a chapter, but in a, maybe a season of your marriage where you decide to listen more, where you decide to think that you don't have to be wise in your own eyes and that you know everything, but that maybe these things that your spouse are telling you are actually true and you can humbly take them to heart. Now, maybe it's a season where um, you are, you determine that, like I said earlier, you're going to take some specific time to go away together and to make that more of a regular thing so that you connect and be and work on your friendship with one another. So, you know, love letters can be very romantic, but there's nothing better than living it out in the everydayness and the pages of your life that are really the actual part that's going to leave a true legacy is what you do today. And there's an eternal reward attached to that too. When you do it as unto the Lord, it's a story that doesn't stop um, when the marriage stops or when the Lord (laughs) takes you away. It's something that's written in eternity. And that is, I think, a special thing for us to consider. I love that. And just that idea of really intentionally living it out in the everyday. And I think sometimes we overcomplicate a lot of these things. Mm -hmm. And you kind of mentioned earlier when you're talking about you setting aside that time 
And I always call them like these appetizer versions of what it is you're wanting. Like maybe you want to get away with your spouse for a whole weekend, but you just can't end this season. So like, what's an appetizer version of um, kind of Mm -hmm. tease out that idea of like, I just want time together. I want time doing something different. Maybe it's time outdoors or time doing something fun. And so thinking about even just those smaller ways of intentional you know, working at something. And I I think that sometimes that we forget that it's a daily choice. It's a daily investment of of energy and intentionality. And it's something that is worth working in and on um, in our lives. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's so good. Okay. So you do a lot of things. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So you you write and you you help people in all different areas of their life. Um, and as a mom too, like, what is something you wish you had known or learned sooner that you feel like you find yourself repeating or working through or sharing with others over and over? Yeah. I think one of the things I wish that I had realized earlier is that, you know, everything really will be okay. You know, even when circumstances are really hard, that God really is good, that he really will give you the wisdom you need in whatever situation you're in, that he really will bring people into your life to mentor you and to guide you and to just rest in not being so hard on yourself or on the people around you, giving lots of grace and trusting that good can come from any circumstance. It just brings peace that today is not the end of the story. This season with littles is not the end of the story. This season with teenagers is not the end of the story. This season where, you know, my marriage is especially difficult because my husband is deployed or whatever. None of these seasons are the end of the story. So just breathe, rest, know that God always has good in mind where you're at and just be at peace. Oh, that's so good. This is not the end of the story. It's interesting how our minds kind of get fixated on. We feel like everything is the end all be all. Yes. You know, we worst make things case, too big. Yes, <laughs> make things bigger than they are. You we know, do, we do, life. and we mm-hmm. forget that God is bigger than the things that we turn yes. into big things. You know, exactly. Oh, what a good lesson. Okay, tell me a little bit about um, success. I, I love asking guests just around this idea of what success looks like to you because you've you've written in a couple of different places, and I know you have a lot of things that you you love and you love doing. And so, what does yeah. success look like to you as you? pursue a a legacy or leaving a legacy behind? I'll tell you what, people, we got to start getting some grit. Mm. We have to start getting some grit. Success is all about grit. Successful people, they don't give up. It doesn't mean that they rush headlong into something that's not working. They know how to pivot really well. They know how to pivot when something's not working. But it takes grit. It's the people who are relentless in their commitment to growth that are successful, whether it's success as a parent, in your marriage, in your health journey, as a businesswoman, myself. I mean, the TV, the entertainment industry is tough. It's especially tough in the faith space. The publishing industry is tough. Parenting is tough. But none of these things um, are going to be achieved or you're not going to make the most of these areas of your life if you aren't committed to persevering and having that grit. So that means that we have to look at every circumstance as a, a training moment, because if we are tested and we fail the test, 
and we shrink back, we're not going to grow. We're not going to reach success. So that requires this grit. And, you know, there's nobody more gritty than Jesus. Hmm. Like he did whatever it took. He, he was so clear on what he wanted and what his purpose was. He was very clear on that. And, and maybe we won't always have that same clarity uh, in the, in the everydayness of our lives. We may have kind of a bigger vision of what we want. We want the tone of our home to be joyful and peace-filled, but we won't always know exactly what the outcomes are always going to be. But we can have this bigger picture of knowing that ultimately our lives are not our own. You know, we were bought with a price and God has given me something to steward today. He has given me people to work with today. And when the obstacle comes, that's just the way forward. The obstacle is not the thing that stops us. It's actually the way that we're going to grow and be refined. It's the same of the trigger. The trigger is not the the ending point. Those are all the things that are creating stamina in us so that we can move forward. So the key is grit. You know, if you stop trying, you, you won't succeed. You won't succeed. And Jesus, again, is just that perfect example that when things got hard, when he was misunderstood, when he didn't have a place to lay his head, none of that deterred him because his why was so strong. The the reason that he was here and the end mission that he had in mind was so powerful that nothing else mattered. People's opinions didn't matter. Their criticism didn't matter. And when did we get so weak? That's the question mm. I ask myself so often is what happened to us that this church, you know, this body of Christ just decided to get wonky. You know, we, we've got it. We've got to move on beyond that and get a little bit of a spine back because the Lord uses us for a reason. We're here for a reason. We were, we were here to do good work. So we, we better start getting some of that grit back and being like Christ and our ability to persevere regardless of who or what or when or why that's the person that's going to live life to the full. That's the person that's going to leave a legacy. That's what we're supposed to be doing. It's I've never had life. anybody explain it this way. And I am just, I'm like, I'm on fire inside. <laughs> Good. Me too. Let's go do something. <laughs> Let's go do something. But you bring up so many good points. And I think that our culture has told us that if it's hard, there's a fix for that. Things are uncomfortable. There's a solution for that. And we've lost that ability to persevere or to have grit or to be resilient. And I think about that a lot, especially as a parent especially as a parent of like, how do I raise kids who are, who have grit and who have perseverance in a generation that doesn't understand that. And I always remember, it's my grandmother. She was widowed with seven kids, 11 to one were the ages, six girls and a boy. And she was just incredible. She put seven kids through college. They all did things with their life. They all got along. And I remember like in her final months of life, and I asked her the question, I said, I have to ask you, how did you become so strong? Like she was a mom, not just to her kids, but to a lot of people. And she said, I became that way. You aren't born strong. I became that way through the hardships, whether that was you know, heart surgery or she had a brain tumor. I mean, like being widowed. I mean, all these things. She said, I became strong and I continue just to like keep getting back up. 
and not losing faith in the process. And you mentioned that a little bit earlier in this conversation of like still having faith in those hard seasons. And, and I think sometimes when we feel discomfort or we feel hard or we feel pain, we want to shy away from it and we don't want to lean into it. And what I hear you saying is lean in, lean in to that hard. Absolutely. Because what happens is we let our emotions take over instead of our actions taking over, right? So we allow our emotions to stop us. We allow our emotions to dictate what we do. They are not the boss of us. And our emotions are healthy. They're good. We're supposed to process them all the way through thoroughly and then allow them to also propel us forward. The problem is the reason we don't have grit, we don't persevere is because the moment we feel pain or we have thought processes that this doesn't feel good anymore, or this is this feels too hard, or this is scary, or what if what it will people think? We get so in our head with the chatter of our emotions that they overwhelm the opportunities that we have, and we got to fix that. You know, that's a whole other conversation too. But um, allowing our emotions to be mismanaged and to dictate what we do in life is one of our um, one of the worst things we can do. We have to use them for our good. We have to start looking at them also as opportunities, not things that are going to become obstacles and stopping us from moving forward. That idea of obstacles too. I don't know if you've read The Obstacles the Way, but that is like a book my husband and I have highlighted over and over and over. And it's just story after story about people, you know, pushing through the obstacle and that being yes. the way. I mean, even your own story as you talk about how, um, you know, the parenting trigger side turned into the marriage trigger is now turning into that food trigger side of all these different, obviously like pushing through those seasons that are hard. And you mentioned, you know, writing a book and in the faith space and all these different areas, like those became obstacles that you pushed through that and opened up the next opportunity of impact of being a light and being an encouragement Mm -hmm. and coming alongside of other people and helping them grow and be strengthened. So just love that reminder. I think for anyone who's listening, who feels like you're hitting that obstacle, like it is the way lean into those seasons of hard and know that there is, there's growth and there's transformation there and don't shy away. Don't shy away from that. Yeah. Well, so this has been super challenging and convicting and encouraging <laughs> and inspiring and all the words in, in one, in one conversation. Um, so I'm super grateful just for, for the light that, that you shared today with us and, um, just those, those ideas and that paradigm shift around seeing triggers in our life as opportunities and really rethinking how we, uh, we face those moments and we embrace those moments and we push through those moments and lean into them. So thank you for that, Amber. Really, really grateful for that. Um, would love for you to share just what you have coming up. I know there's some exciting things coming and also just where people can follow along. Sure. So people can find me on social media at Amber Leah and the real Amber Leah on Instagram. I have an author Facebook page as well. Wendy Speak and I have a parenting group for those who are looking for more gentle biblical parenting practices. It's called Gentle Parenting with Amber and Wendy. And that's a private group. And then um, my most recent book, Food Triggers, released this last year, and it has been life-changing for me and for thousands of others. If you struggle in that area at all with health and wellness and food and addiction, 
And we have a video course coming out for food triggers here in the next month or so. So we'll have details for you on that. But I think that will be something great for small groups, for individual use, so on and so forth. But really just uh, want to thank you, Annika, for having me. And I'm just looking to run with people. Let's run hard. Let's make the most of this life. And so thank you for being a part of that message with me. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. If you have not already, would love for you to subscribe to the podcast. So many incredible conversations coming up that I do not want you to miss. And also, if you know someone that this episode would encourage this week, what a gift it would be for you to share it with a friend. Would love for you to do that, and I'm sure they would love to receive some encouragement this week as well. But before we go, I want to leave you with today's truths and takeaways. Number one, triggers are actually opportunities to grow. Number two, this season is not the end of the story. Number three, how can you get a little grittier this week? Number four, take the letters of the Bible and write them as a love letter to your marriage. Then let your life be the letter and that legacy that you then go live out. And lastly, everything really will be okay. This one really struck a chord with me um, growing up. I think I've shared maybe here on the podcast, my mom just battled cancer and just lots of things happening as we were growing up. And I always ask her like, what do you wish you would have known sooner? Or what would you go back and tell your younger self? And this is exactly what she shared. I wish I would have known that everything really will be okay. So I hope today's conversation encouraged you. And more importantly, I hope that you'll be reminded today that everything really will be okay. Thanks for tuning in and until next time. Bye.